يزال الخير حيا لا يزال إن في الدنيا سلاما وظلال أخبر الأيام أنا في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال كما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولاهم بعد Alhamdulillah, I returned uh, from my trip, uh, but I returned to a state of, to be honest, uh, sadness and trepidation at what we are going to be facing ahead. But the purpose of uh, today's reminder is not to be sad nor to be scared. Don't worry and don't be sad. And you shall be victorious if you have Iman. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of. Uh, the purpose today is really just a brief reminder of many. We're going to be giving reminders to ourselves over and over again that we need to have hope. We need to put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we shall overcome. We shall come through this stage. We shall go through the following weeks and months months with whatever it takes we shall turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we shall inshallah ta'ala win in this world and definitely in the next world we have to realize dear Muslims dear brothers and sisters that most likely and I wallahi I pray that I am wrong and I pray that I am proven wrong immediately but most likely we will be facing what is perhaps the greatest test of our generation of our lives maybe even of our century uh, the test that we're about to face it is unprecedented uh, from all that we have seen subhanallah who could have predicted two months ago that uh, things like this would be happening even one week ago who could have predicted and day by day rather hour by hour things are changing and updates are being given and wallahi I pray that I am wrong I sincerely pray that we find a solution immediately to this problem and that life resumes back to normal but we also have to be realistic and we also have to be pragmatic and see what uh, the experts are saying and as more and more experts uh, get involved we are hearing that this might even take weeks months maybe even more than a year and the situation might get much much worse before it it becomes better and again I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to really prove me wrong I want uh, a solution immediately but at the same time we need to tie our camel and we need to know the dangers and we need to be prepared spiritually psychologically emotionally logistically financially and we we don't want to be tested our Prophet sallallahu said the famous hadith don't desire to meet the enemy. Don't wish to face tragedy head on. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to avert the calamity away from you. But if the opportunity is there, meaning that if you must meet them and you are required to face your enemy and you have to, there is no alternative, then in that case, be patient and be firm and put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't want to be tested, my dear brothers and sisters. We ask Allah for afiyah. But if we are going to be tested and if Allah chooses to test us, then we have to have yaqeen that Allah is putting us in a test knowing that we can pass that test, knowing that He will also give us the iman, the sabr, the ikhlas, the firmness, the courage and all that we need to pass this test. Realize dear Muslims, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah is not going to put us in a burden unless we are capable of passing that burden and carrying that burden. Now is the time that it is time to earn Jannah. It is time to earn our darajat in Jannah. And subhanAllah, we used to read these verses in the Quran. I used to, I confess, I used to read these verses and I would think, oh, they, these are not going to apply to me. These verses used to apply to the Sahaba. They used to apply to the Muhajirun and the Ansar. They're not going to apply to me. Uh, the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَاقُصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Allah tells us in the Quran, we are going to test you, of a certainty we are going to test you. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ With some things that will make you scared, you're going to be terrified, there's going to be uncertainty. بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ 
might be hunger. And you're going to also have to be tested with a diminishment in the money that you have, with a calamity that is financial, and maybe even a calamity that will take lives. With vegetations and with fruits and produce. Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us, I'm going to test you. Some of you will indeed be scared. Some of you will indeed be hungry. Some of you will lose finances. Some of you will lose loved ones, maybe even your own lives. Some of you will lose your investments and your stocks, which will be diminished. And then Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ sabirin." But be, give glad tidings, give glad tidings, be happy and rejoice. Out of all of these calamities, Allah is saying, rejoice, be happy. Bashir means something to make you happy. Who is going to be happy? Those that are patient in all of these calamities. Those that turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتُمْ مُصِيبَةً Those who, when a calamity comes upon them, when a calamity befalls them, they say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ To Allah we belong and to Him we shall return. Dear Muslims, I ask Allah for afiyah. You ask Allah for afiyah. I ask Allah to give me a new afiyah. And afiyah means to avert a calamity. Afiyah means that no harm comes to us. The uncle of the Prophet ﷺ said, O Messenger of Allah, teach me a dua that I should say. So the Prophet ﷺ said, ask Allah for afiyah. And Abbas said, but I want something more than this. And the Prophet ﷺ said, there is nothing better than afiyah. There is nothing better than not being tested. So we ask Allah for afiyah. Nas'alullah al-afiyah. Memorize this dua of the series we're going to be giving is the series on duas. We're going to be starting those inshallah as well. So for today, memorize this dua. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah. Oh Allah, I ask for your afiyah. And once again, what is afiyah? To be removed from testing, to be safe from testing, to not have a test is itself a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But dear Muslims, if Allah Azza wa Jal is going to test us, then we need to be prepared for that test. We don't want to be tested. But as our Prophet said, but if you are indeed tested, then be firm, be patient, and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Brief reminders to myself and all of you, and there will be a lot of repetition from previous lectures, and there will be repetition in future lectures, and in this repetition, we will drive the point home. In this repetition, we will inshallah ta'ala better ourselves, because there is no easy solution. Today's brief reminder will be inshallah seven pointers. First and foremost, during this time, we prepare ourselves by renewing our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by strengthening our iman, by fortifying our iman. Allah Azza wa Jalla reminds us in the Quran, مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ إِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ وَآمَنْتُمْ What will Allah gain by punishing you if you are thankful to Allah and if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we renew our iman. What does it mean to renew our iman? Renewing our Iman means to strengthen our Iman, to increase our Iman. And this is done by contemplation and by every single action of worship. Every action increases our Iman, whether it is dhikr, whether it is tilawatul Qur'an, whether it is salah, whether it is contemplating, we think about the purpose of life and creation. This is all of it a part of increasing our Iman and renewing our faith. Point number two of the things that we need to do is repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Realize, dear Muslims, and it is not politically correct to say this anymore, but it is a fact that is undeniable that Allah azza wa jal sends down tribulations upon those who do not repent to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down Allah says in the Quran, evil and chaos spreads in the lands and in the oceans because of the sins that people have done. It is not politically correct to say this. People don't like talking about this, but it is a theological reality. And we ask Allah's refuge. We seek Allah's refuge. Subhanallah. For how long we were in heedlessness? For how long was this dunya immersed in the pleasures and shahawat? For how long was this arrogance of godlessness, of atheism being shown? For how long was fahisha becoming the norm across this globe? And so it is indeed possible. In fact, the Quran tells us that these types of issues and punishments, they come to remind us that this is not the way that is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we turn away. And so the second point here is repentance to Allah. 
repentance. Now we cannot control what is happening around us, but we can control our own lives and the lives of our loved ones and families. So turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah promises in the Quran that those who do not repent to Allah, they're going to be the ones that will pay, face the punishment. If you don't repent, then the adab will come, which means if you do repent, then inshallah ta'ala, we will guarantee ourselves that at least in the akhirah, we will not be punished and inshallah in this world as well. So repent to Allah and repentance is done by leaving the sin by feeling remorseful for our lifestyles and evils, by asking Allah's forgiveness, and by turning over a new leaf. So point number two, repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Point number three, a softening of the heart, making our hearts soft. Allah says in the Quran, Hasn't the time come? Hasn't the time come that the people of Iman allow their hearts to become soft in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah says in the Quran that the punishment came down, that your hearts became hard, and because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the punishment down. So the punishment is linked directly to the hardening of the heart. And what is the heart? hardening of the heart. The hardening of the heart is a sense of callousness, of not caring, why am I here? What is the purpose of life and death? The softness of the heart is to be aware of who you are, why you're here, who created you, to be aware of this world and the next world. So point number two or point number three is the softening of the heart. This leads me to my next point and that is this should lead us directly to the issue of awareness of death. Being aware that indeed life is not permanent, that there is something called the Akhirah. And again, these are things that is politically incorrect to say. People don't talk about death even though death is an inevitable reality. Death is the end for all of us. There is no escape. At times of crises like these, we are reminded of our mortality. And I'm not asking me and you to be reminded of our mortality, to become morbid, to become, glo uh, to become gloomy, and to become dreary. No, the purpose of reminding ourselves of the inevitability of death is so that we live the better life. The re we remind ourselves of the end End, so that the journey that we will eventually come there, all of us will come to that journey's end, so that the journey becomes more meaningful and more noble. Our Prophet ﷺ reminded us, min Increase the frequency of remembering that which will destroy all pleasures. Increase the frequency of reminding yourself of death. And the purpose is that we think, what have I done with my life? What have I accomplished with this time that I have been on this earth? And what do I hope to accomplish before I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we remind ourselves of our mortality and the mortality of all the people around us. Allah says in the Quran, I have not given immortal life to any human being before you. If you, Ya Rasulullah, are going to die, then do they think that they're going to live forever? And so we remind ourselves of the mortality of this world. We remind ourselves of why we are here so that insha'Allah ta'ala, we then prepare a better life and we live a better life. And so also, by the way, and again, I'm reminding myself and all of you of things that might not necessarily be the most popular to do, but we do them so that we live better lives. Dear Muslims, our Prophet said, let no person go to sleep for three days without having his uh, will prepared, without having his will prepared. And dear Muslims, again, it's not something that is nice to say, but somebody needs to remind me and you that that we all should have our wills, our wasiyas prepared. We should all be ready to meet, whether it is going to happen tomorrow or inshallah a long time away. We ask Allah for a long life full of iman and taqwa, but eventually this life will come to an end. So all of us, all of us be prepared and especially given all that is happening, may I strongly, strongly suggest, in fact, may I remind you that our Prophet himself said it is not allowed for a Muslim to let three nights pass and he wants to make a will except that he writes that will or she writes that will and so write a will and make sure that it is something that is going to be following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next point that I want to remind myself and all of you is sincere dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is something that is very very explicit in the Quran. 
that Allah says in the Quran, Why didn't they beg and plead us in dua? Why didn't they come to us in dua when our punishment came down? It is the Sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the purpose of these uh, uh, the purpose of these trials and tribulations is that we turn to Allah. And I have said this before and I'll say it again. If you lived a life of heedlessness before, don't feel guilty that this calamity is causing you to become religious. On the contrary, the purpose of a calamity is to make you religious. The purpose of a trial and tribulation is to bring out that iman that was latent, that was stored inside of you. Dear Muslim, if you are feeling religious now and you want to turn to Allah now and you find a sense of desperation now, you know what that means? It means deep down inside you really had Iman. Deep down inside it was there and that's why it is coming out. That is the purpose of the trial and tribulation. Allow that Iman to grow. Let it come out and make dua to Allah to avert calamity from you and me, from your loved ones and my loved ones. Make sincere dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect all of us. So this is the next point and that is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next point after this one, I forgot what number it is, five or six. The next point after this one is we remind ourselves that it is a time to be charitable and merciful to the creation. If things are going to proceed as people are predicting, then in all likelihood, we're going to see very, very economically challenging times. People's rizq, all of our sustenance in all likelihood will be pinched. And that is when real generosity is shown, real charity and karam is shown. This is when we will be tested. Do you truly believe that when you give something to someone else for the sake of Allah, you will get more back in this world? Do you and I really, really, really believe that our Prophet gave a qasam to Allah? Wallahi, your money does not go down when you give it in charity. Do you really believe that? Because now I and you will be tested. Now there will be people that need and we might have a little bit of surplus and perhaps we're going to feel, oh, I need to protected and again be reasonable but indeed we are going to be tested in all likelihood all of us and so this is the time when our compassion our mercy our charity is going to be demonstrated dear muslims i remind you and me of the famous hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam irhamu man fil ardi yarhamukum man fis sama show compassion to those in this earth the one in the heavens will show compassion to you we will be tested with compassion. There will be people that will need our help. May I suggest myself and all of you, reach out to those who are elderly, who are alone, who don't have family. Reach out to those who might need more people to be around them and they don't have them and you have the opportunity you know you know there are specific age groups where the risk is much higher if you belong to uh, an age group that the risk is much lower and you have the capacity the means to go shopping for those that are elderly and they're not allowed to leave then go ahead and do that that's going to be a charity charity doesn't have to be writing a check it doesn't have to be giving your money to somebody else charity could be an optimistic word could be an, an enthusiasm and uh, a cheering up of somebody charity could be spending your time, your gasoline, your car to help somebody do a chore. As long as it is reasonable, we don't want anybody to take any unreasonable risks, but still helping others out within reason, within precaution, that is indeed a sign of Iman. The next point I wanted to say, and again, I've lost track of how many, one, two, three, four, five, six now, uh, or seven actually right now, is that it does look like, it does look like that we will be uh, told to remain long periods inside of our houses. In fact, the things are getting from bad to worse, not day by day, but hour by hour. And we're being told that, you know, the elderly should stay home and even all of us, if there's no need, we shouldn't be going outside. And this means that we will be cooped up in our houses and with our families. And this means we're going to have to have patience as we're already seeing among, amongst family members. We're going to have to control our tongue. But you know what? Find the blessing in that. We now have family time. We now now have time for tarbiyah of the family, to develop the bonds of love. We have time to set role model examples about salah, 
Establish the salah in your houses. Pray salah together, at least one or two prayers. Do some Quran together. Try to do certain family activities together so that inshaAllah ta'ala, you're gonna be able to get those bonds of love, get that, that, communi- that communal feeling because subhanAllah, before this time frame, you know, we barely got a chance to sit with our families. We will be here and there and busy. And perhaps this is a blessing in disguise that for the next few weeks, few months, maybe even year. Today I read an article, a year and a half, some of the experts are predicting 18 months, subhanAllah. But if that is the case, then maybe there is also the silver lining, the hidden blessing, and that is that we will be that the, the, the family that learns to live together, cope together, establish those bonds of, bonds of love, despite the fact there's going to be irritations, there's going to be nuisances, there's going to be screamings, that's human nature. But in all of that, inshallah, those bonds and those memories that will be established, they will last us through an entire lifetime. So use that family time with wisdom, see what you can do, make sure there is communal activities of salah and other things that are being done. And these are my spiritual um, advice. Now, uh, I, want to also, uh, I want to also tell you a little bit about some necessary um, uh, precautions that we need to do that are not spiritual, these are logistical precautions. and. Taking logistical precautions. I said they are not spiritual. Let me cancel that. No, it is spiritual. Dear Muslims, every one of you knows the hadith of the Prophet of the man who came and said, O Messenger of Allah, should I, when I go to sleep, let my camel loose and trust Allah, or should I tie my camel up? You all know the hadith. He said, tie your camel and then put your trust in Allah. Tying your camel doesn't go against Iman, it is a part of Iman. So now that we are facing this tragedy, now that we have this global catastrophe, the likes of which we used to read about in history books. Wallah, I was talking to a friend of mine today over the phone, and I said to him, you know, this reminds me of reading the, the, the Tariq of Ibn Kathir or the Tariq of At-Tabari, where we would, would read that, and in the year such and such, a great calamity came, and the people abandoned the masajid, and they did this, and they did that. And it is as if you would read these mythological, historical tales, and lo and behold, Allah has has willed that we are living it in our own lifetimes. I would never have imagined we see a day when the masajid themselves are shut down because we ourselves are shutting them down. Dare I say that in all likelihood it has never happened in the history of Islam that so many masajid have been shut down voluntarily across the globe. This might be the first time that we are seeing this. And so subhanAllah, the situation is indeed dire, but we turn to Allah and we take reasonable precautions. Now, what are those precautions? Here, let me say, and if you've been hearing me in this masjid and before for the last few months, for the last few years, what I'm about to say will come of no shock to you. Dear Muslims, listen to the experts when they tell you about their areas of expertise. I speak to you as somebody who has spent the last three decades almost of my life. Almost three decades have gone by and every single day, as far as I can remember, I have been studying Islam. Full time I have dedicated my life to this religion and ask Allah for acceptance and ask Allah to accept from me and to forgive the mistakes. And I speak to you as somebody who has been studying Islam full time. Listen to me when I say, do not go to the ulama for medical advice. We are not the people you need to go to to tell you about the specific of logistics of how to prepare. Dear Muslims, our Prophet wasallam said, Hadith is in Bukhari, Antum a'lamu bi umri dunyakum. You know the affairs of your religion better than I do. He is the Rasulullah wasallam, and he is telling a group of experts about agriculture. You know agricultural techniques better than I do. Dear Muslims, what we are facing now, there's an element of religion. There's always an element of religion in everything. But the bulk of what we need to do logistically is not going to be found from people of knowledge. It's not going to be found in our classical textbooks of fiqh and of theology. This is something that our medical experts are going to be far more knowledgeable about. What to do, what not to do, what precautions to take than people that have studied 10 years in a seminary, 20 years in a madrasa. 
Go to the ulama for their expertise and go to the medical experts for their expertise. And therefore, dear Muslims, and again, I must bring this up. I must say this again that please do not raise the people of Islamic knowledge above their role. Indeed, it is true that the Prophet praised the ulama as being the inheritors of the Prophet. And that means the role of the Prophet of spiritual guidance will collectively be from the Islamic ulama. That is true. We all agree with that. And I ask Allah to make Make me even just related to that category and I'll be happy. But that is the role of spiritual guidance. As for logistics, go to the experts. And I am not an expert in uh, epidemics, diseases, in the spread of coronavirus, in how virus is spread. And if you find that ulama are divided about the best way forward in terms of logistics, then go to the opinion that the experts are sticking with. Yes, don't jump over the ulama completely. But when you find the ulama divided, you find two opinions and the issue that they're differing over is related to modern issues, whether it is medicine, whether it is anything, then follow the opinion that matches the expertise advice. And don't just become blind and say, oh, because the Sheikh I love said it, I'm going to follow him. Just like if you had a medical issue that really affected your life, you wouldn't just go to a Sheikh and get his advice. You would first and foremost go to the doctor and then vet what the doctor says if it's a really controversial issue. Is this halal? Is this haram? And you'd get the opinions of ulama and you would especially go to those ulama that are more familiar with medicine and you would go to those doctors that are more familiar with Islamic sciences. So dear Muslims, the whole purpose of all of those last few minutes is so that I bring up once again this issue of shutting the masajid down. Dear Muslims, I don't want to say this but I will be honest with you, all of today I have literally been crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I swear to you, this is not an exaggeration. I was literally, my heart is, is like it is, I have never felt this way. I was just crying in my room and crying in my cars, thinking that the masajid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are shut around the world. This is because of sins that we have done. There's no question about this. Allah knows how sad this is, just the thought of not coming to the masjid for weeks and for months, the thought of not praying Fajr, the thought of not coming here, it is something that is truly, truly terrifying. And it is something that makes me feel empty and guilty and sad. I don't say this out of any pleasure or pride. And yet still I say I fully agree with the logistical advice from the experts that we do need to shut down any public place. We do need to minimize any public interaction. Now I know that some of you know that some ulama have allowed masjids to be open. But dear Muslims, open your eyes and look around you. The councils over, over a dozen Muslim lands from Saudi Arabia to Kuwait, to United Arab Emirates, to Qatar, to, uh, to, uh, to um, Malaysia, uh, to Turkey, to uh, the list goes on and on. Here in America, the Fiqh Council of America and Amjan, the Islamic Medical Association, they've all basically said the same thing, which is that if the situation gets to that dire level, then yes, we should shut down the Jumu'ah and the Jama'ah. And dear Muslims, in most cities, I'm not speaking about the globe, but in most major cities in America and in England and in Canada and other places, the situation has indeed become dire. Now, let every community leaders say what they need to say. I am speaking about Dallas, Texas. I'm speaking about the community that I live in. And we have asked the experts and we've asked the people in our communities and the experts that know this issue. And to a man, all of them, to a man or woman, all of them, they have said that we we really should minimize any interaction and it is best to shut down these congregational prayers that we are having. It is not an easy decision. It is not something that we like to do and Allah knows my heart is greatly troubled. But dear Muslims, we cannot use a simplistic emotional response. We cannot use a misunderstanding of theology to go against that which we know to be true. Indeed, we put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we tie our camel. Some of you say, oh, our Prophet would stand up to pray when he became, when he became uh, flustered or anxious. Yes, stand up to pray. I'm not telling you not to do that. Go stand up to pray. Some of, some of us have said, some people have said that it's never been shown that you know, in the past Muslims closed their masajid. Well, maybe you are correct that to this level it has never happened. By the way, in regional places, it's sometimes because of a great fear. Obviously in regional places, yes, there have been times when um, masajid have stopped uh, for, for specific fears. But I agree with you, as at a global scale, we might be 
quite literally seeing for the very first time in over a dozen Muslim lands and over a dozen non-Muslim lands, hundreds of thousands of masajid uh, shut down for the average musallin to come. This might be the first time, but do you think that this decision is coming out of nothing? I ask you, by Allah, I ask you a simple question. If there were a masjid, that you were told the engineers and the and the uh, and the architects or the, the 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 local city council said, oh, this masjid, its pillars are about to collapse. Its pillars are going to fall down. It was constructed incorrectly. If you were told that, would you say no? We must pray in this masjid, and Allah wants us to pray in this masjid. No, you would say, okay, this masjid is a dangerous place, not because of anything evil with the masjid, but circumstances are like this. So the point is that the situation that we are in right now, this situation is a situation in which we now are far more familiar with the causes of how this disease is transmitted. We are familiar with how this coronavirus goes from person to person. And we know what our past scholars did not know. We know more about science and medicine than people did in the past. Therefore, we are required by Allah to take that knowledge into account when we derive our rulings. Dear Muslims, our masajid, we thank Allah, our places where people are packed together of all ethnicities and all backgrounds. But in these times, that blessing is the exact ambience that these viruses need to spread from person to person. There are hundreds of people of all different backgrounds, of all different nationalities, of all different traveling places coming together packed standing next to each other for lengthy periods of time and every single medical expert is saying that this is the number one preventative measure and that is to stop the transmission or the potential transmission by uh, practicing social isolation by putting in you know uh, barriers physical space between you and other people mashallah dear muslims we're a friendly bunch we thank allah for that is it possible for me or you to come to the masjid and not shake people's hands there's going to be a hundred people a thousand people is it possible to come and not hug and, and, and it's not possible really and even if we tried to do it, it would not happen. And therefore medical experts are unanimous that we really should shut down these areas until this disease passes by. Now, the claim that the claim that the shopping malls are open and other places are open and therefore we should keep the messages open. Uh, firstly, by the way, this is changing day by day and hour by hour. Today it was announced that all restaurants should be shut down. Tomorrow another issue is going to come out. So things are moving in that direction. Secondly, two wrongs don't make a right. Just because other places are open, they, they are dangerous places. We know this. Thirdly, those other places are generally speaking, there's more ambience and air. You can keep a, a distance. Whereas in our masajid, it is literally line by line, row by row, packed to capacity. Uh, fourthly, as well, we need to be aware there's levels of necessity. We can't expect hospitals to shut down. We can't expect uh, uh, places that sell food to shut down or else all of us would be in serious trouble. These are places where we need to go to purchase items. And uh, the, the masjid is indeed a very, very important place. Our heart wants to be in the masjid but there is a dangerous threat. Like the building were to be falling down, we would not enter. So too, if the masajid are places where potentially there is indeed the, the potential for virus to spread, we should be cautious for the time being as long as, as it needs to. And again, we say this, I say this with a huge loss, with a huge sense of grief, with a huge sense of emptiness. It was such a shock to me to hear today that a country like Saudi Arabia where I've lived more than a decade of my life has shut down every single masjid without exception other than Mecca and Medina. And then to hear that a dozen other Muslim lands have, have, have followed suit in this, wallahi it is something that makes the heart terrified. Indeed, this is, a, this is a potential punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what we have done, that we are being deprived of our own masajid. But this means that we need to increase our himma, increase our tawbah, increase our turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This means that we need to make our homes into places of dhikr, into places of iqamat as-salah, into places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is mentioned, where the Qur'an's tilawa is raised. If we do not, did not appreciate the masjids in the past, after this is over, insha'Allah ta'ala, every one of us will appreciate the masajid for as long as we live. Nonetheless, dear Muslims, I was feeling extremely, extremely distressed at the closing of especially our East Plano Islamic Center. And I spoke with the board about 
a technical, uh, just a, a, a technicality that perhaps we can work around uh, that at least for Jumu'ah, at least for Jumu'ah, if we have a symbolic, a symbolic Jumu'ah. And this, I'm only telling you this so that you realize we are all feeling, I am feeling all of us religious, you know, especially us, the Imam, the Ustad, the Sheikh, myself, I know we are all feeling especially hurt psychologically and spiritually. So I requested from the board that at least for Jumu'ah, if the four of us, and that is because the minimum you need is three, the minimum for Jumu'ah you need is three, and that is Hafiz Sajjad and uh, Ustad Ba'jood and Imam Nadim and myself, if the four of us, we come for Jumu'ah and we stand apart from each other and just symbolize symbolically just give a khutbah for the barakah that something is done. Now please, this is only being done as a token symbolism. We cannot and we will not open there. Not even the board members are going to be coming to this. I told them I just want a token Jumu'ah so that we feel because technically from a fiqh perspective, by definition, the, the Jami' Masjid is the Masjid where the Jumu'ah takes place. And I really felt that if this goes for a long time, how can we have a masjid without even the adhan being raised and the salah being done at least once in a while? So just for the barakah, I'm just telling you this so that we, we understand just for the barakah, not for anyone else, not even the staff of the masjid, not even the board members, they were going to be coming, just the four of us. One of us will give the khutbah that will be broadcast live and three of us will be standing literally at one side of the masjid, not even salams to one another physically, we'll just wave to each other and we'll go separate ways. This is how cautious we are being just to keep the symbolism of the masjid alive. Needless to say, this might continue for many, many weeks. We might need to prepare a contingency plan for Ramadan. That will inshallah ta'ala be spoken about, but we will continue to update you. And we have set up a mini studio. By the way, I'm not sitting in the musalla. You might think I'm sitting in the musalla. We have set up a mini studio uh, so that it looks like I'm in the musalla. I'm in a room all by myself. Nobody else is here. The camera's in front of me. That's how the level of caution that we are doing amongst ourselves. Can you imagine if we opened the door to a, a 2,000 people or 500 people? It would not serve the purpose. And as we are aware, you know, there was a, a, a religious gathering, by the way, in Indonesia. Look this up, or Malaysia, excuse me, a religious gathering where people came from all over the world and they spent some time together for the sake of Islam. Their niyyah was good. Because of that religious gathering, one person had the virus. Now 45 people, according to what I read the other day, have that virus. From that one person because of a religious gathering. We tie our camel, we do not act foolishly. And coming together, ignoring what every expert is saying, is acting foolishly. And our religion is not a foolish religion. It is not a religion of superstition. It is a religion of knowledge. And Allah tells us to act with knowledge. And the people of knowledge are telling us that the number one mechanism to spread this virus is by person-to-person -person contact. And that is why we are taking these precautions. It is still too early to say about Ramadan, but inshallah ta'ala, if worst case scenario, we will be giving you every single day, without exception, religious you know, reminders to myself and all of you, we're gonna try to our best to keep a virtual masjid as much as we can on a daily basis. There's gonna be an entire schedule, I think you have been told as well about this, that every one of us is gonna be doing certain projects and things every single day so that we keep that attachment because now is the time for that attachment. Now is the time especially to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So inshallah, with that, I want to open the floor for Q&A. I have my uh, iPad in front of me, which has a number of questions that people have sent in, and feel free to send in other questions. And this is how we're going to be doing this from now on, by the way. A live Q&A that we're going to be updating, and uh, whenever you want to uh, ask questions, you're going to be able to ask them, and inshallah, uh, I will try to answer them uh, one by one, inshallah. So first question, can we do Jumu'ah in our home with a few neighbors? Are there any guidelines? Are we allowed to pray Jumu'ah in small groups since the masajid are closed? This defeats the purpose. Agreed, agreed. It is better to have small gatherings than large ones, but what is gonna happen if you advertise you're having a Jumu'ah in your house, your five, 10, 15 neighbors are going to come, number one. Number two, from a technical perspective, Jumu'ah is done in the Jami', in the Masjid al-Jami'. I'm not saying it's not allowed elsewhere. Sometimes you have to do this. I don't encourage this as of yet. And this is not the default. The default is that Jumu'ah is done in the masjid and the large community comes. If the Jumu'ah is not done in the masjid, then you pray Dhuhr as at home. Uh, question is that, 
traveling in and out of uh, a place uh, does the hadith apply so we follow the medical experts and the medical experts have basically divided the world into two or three broad categories. There's the epicenter of you know where all this is happening, where there's complete shutdown. Those places we really should try our best to not go to or to not uh, to leave from if we're there. Uh, by the way, uh, our scholars say that if there is a legitimate reason for you to leave uh, those areas and the governments allow you. Legitimate reason, for example, you went on a trip, then everything happened, and the government is not declaring your zone to be a, a disaster one zone. The red zone might be a gray area that, you know, only necessary travel. Our scholars say, if it isn't, what is forbidden is you flee from the plague out of fear of the plague if the area is the area of plague. Now that is only in the Wuhan province and some other places in the world. Otherwise, generally speaking, state to state, city to city uh, is pretty much the same in all of America over here. So generally speaking, I speak from within the American paradigm that as far as I know, there is no one city that has been declared a disaster area compared to other cities. Therefore, within this, uh, uh, this country, America, uh, as, as far as I know, this can change day to day and hour to hour. There's no disaster area per se in which we really should require ourselves to remain. If there is a need that you are far away and your family is elsewhere, then yes, you may inshallah ta'ala uh, travel or have them travel so that you are all together inshallah uh, ta'ala. Question that... Uh, do you think this is one of the signs of the end of times? Um, Allah knows best. Allah knows best. I don't want to say any more than this. But um, regardless, we need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Regardless, we need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah for, 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 for afiyah. Um, question, is that uh, some of the members of my family uh, are feeling very anxious and others are feeling very sad? Uh, what is to be done? Uh, this is something that is explicit in the Quran. We're going to test you. Some of you are going to be anxious and scared. Some of you are going to feel that. And Allah Azza wa Jal, in the same series of verses, He tells us what to do. What to do. Seek help through patience and through prayer. Patience and prayer are the two ways we seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and inshallah, over the course of the next few weeks, we will be doing a number of lectures and series about what does it mean to seek help through patience and through uh, prayer. Uh, question that, um, do you have any charity that you suggest to us that we can help the people affected by coronavirus? Uh, I don't know any specific charity, I'm sure there are, but I would say that your best charity begins at home. Look around you in your own communities, who in your extended families, and may I suggest, and I suggest to the board of Epic and the board of all of the Masajid the same thing, may I suggest that people that are elderly or uh, particularly vulnerable, they sign up on a community board that the board is aware of. They sign up, they say, look, we are an elderly couple. We're in our 60s or 70s. We don't have any family. Uh, can you assign somebody to help us? This is the best charity that you're spending of your time and of your energy. You're shopping for other people. You're giving them whatever needs to be done. And I'm sure you will find uh, local causes as well. And of course, I'm not uh, uh, negating any other cause. Feel free to give to any cause um, as well. Uh, question over here that... Uh, Shaykh, if this virus is man-made, does that change how we approach the spiritual aspect? Not at all, not at all. Uh, firstly, I am not in a position to comment on whether it is man-made or not. I'm not an expert. But as an intelligent listener to the world around me, as an intelligent listener to the experts, uh, it does appear to be a natural uh, uh, permutation, a natural mutation of the virus that has already happened, SARS and you know the, 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 the other influenzas that have happened in the past. But even if, even if there is a calamity that is man-made. Look at the civil wars in Syria, in Burma, and other places. These are man-made calamities. Does that change the spiritual component? Not at all. So it doesn't change at all the issue of Iman and uh, the theology aspect. Uh, question here is that uh, if we are establishing salah in our houses, 
should we raise the adhan? It is not required to raise the adhan, but it is good. It is mustahab. You should raise the adhan, but it is not required. So it's not mandatory to raise the adhan. But yes, it is good to raise the adhan anytime you are praying. And it is especially now that the masajid are closed. May I encourage uh, all of you to raise the adhan uh, in your own houses. Have your children say the adhan. You know, make them learn the adhan. This is a good time to increase all of our uh, uh, knowledge. Uh, question is that, uh, can you give us talk on a regular basis? Yes, that is exactly the point. I will be giving you talks on regular basis. Uh, tomorrow there will be a talk about the fiqh of epidemics and plagues and the history of epidemics and plagues. Just a reminder on the more academic level, that will be tomorrow, inshallah, you should get an email, a live talk with a live Q&A, and then it's gonna be posted um, online. So yes, and not just myself, all of the imams and all of the um, the, uh, the the religious uh, uh, clergy here, uh, Ustad Ba'jur, Imam Nadim, you know, Hafiz Sajjad is continuing his Quran online, mashallah, tabarakallah, myself, all of us as a team, uh, we are going to be continuing to give you programs and continuing to help uh, all of us through this uh, difficult uh, time frame. Uh, question here is that, are you going to relay the Jumu'ah live? And if so, can people listen from their houses and follow? Yes, Jumu'ah will be done live inshallah. They're working on the, the aspect and inshallah it will be done live. However, the Jumu'ah that will be done live, you will listen to it at home as a reminder. And you will then pray dhuhr. You will not pray Jumu'ah. You must be in the masjid listening to the khatib. You cannot pray, you know, two miles away, five miles away. That's not going to be Jumu'ah. You're not going to be behind the imam. But you may listen for spiritual benefit. And in case you are uh, not able to listen live, it will be put on YouTube and you will listen to the uh, khutbah when it is uploaded there, inshaAllah ta'ala. Um, uh, Shaykh, uh, even though East Plano is closed, there is another masjid in our community that is having Jumu'ah and we went last week, can we continue doing this? Look, you're asking a logistical medical position issue. I am not a medical expert. Fiqhi wise, you may pray somewhere else, but every single expert I look up to, every single person who has specialized in this is telling you, do not go into crowds. So. Religiously speaking, from a technical standpoint, it might be permissible to pray Jumu'ah elsewhere, but the least that can be said, you're acting foolishly. It is against the goals of the Sharia to act foolishly. It is against the goals of the Sharia to walk into a place that is going to be dangerous. And when you have thousands of people sitting together in this time of plague, and we know how this plague spreads, then you're acting foolishly, and the Sharia does not want you to act foolishly. And so my religious opinion, based upon what I know, is that you should not go to another Jumu'ah that defeats the purpose of all that is uh, taking place and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Uh, question is that um, why is the masjid closed? Isn't it enough to cancel the congregation? Um, I, 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 the board can answer that question but what is the purpose of the masjid being open if people are going to be coming in and out? The purpose is crowd control so let the board officially answer. That's not my position to answer officially but I will say that it makes complete sense to me because if you were to open the gym, let's say, and you have 50 people coming in and out of the gym, that defeats the purpose. I mean, dear Muslims, study up on this. People that don't display any symptoms can give this virus to somebody for whom it will affect. 80% of the people who have the virus, 80% will have no to mild symptoms, just a slight cough, a slight flu, and life will go on. However, in the small percentage upon whom it will be lethal or fatal, then that 80% might potentially give it to that two or 3% that will potentially pass away. So we just need to, and there is no cure, and nothing can be done. We already have had Muslims across the globe, you know, and, and we all, every life is precious, but especially we need to be careful that in our own community, in Dallas and other places, people have fallen sick from our community. And and Muslims have passed away in other cities, which means it's within our community. So if we are going to have Muslims coming in and out of an area, it defeats the purpose. That's all that I will um, say with this um, regard. Um, uh, Sheikh, uh, should we encourage local businesses? I mean, this is a logistical question. And from a fiqhi perspective, I will say you may 
you may uh, help people out by uh, continuing. I mean, obviously, we all, I went to go shopping today for stuff. We need food and stuff. I mean, you have to go. Just take adequate precautions. From a fiqh perspective, there's nothing wrong with uh, helping local businesses and, uh, and, and maintaining, because they have to pay staff. They have to do whatever needs to be done. But you take reasonable um, precautions. There's nothing wrong with uh, listening to this generic advice of, of supporting your local businesses. Uh, question here is that, if my masjid is still open, does that mean I'm required to go? Listen, dear Muslims, this is a city by city fatwa. It's a region by region fatwa. I know for a fact there are certain countries where the coronavirus, as far as they know, has not even entered those countries. For those countries, how can Jumu'ah not be wajib? Of course it is wajib to go to Jumu'ah until their own ulama and their own experts say, hey, hold on a sec, you know, this is now spread in the community and it is becoming rampant. I am speaking to you from the North American scene in general and especially the Dallas and the Plano area where we have been told our president has said, try not to have gatherings of more than 10. The government has said, I shouldn't say the president because maybe his advice isn't the most sound, but the CDC, and that is a body that I respect, the CDC and the Surgeon General and experts have said, do not have gatherings of more than 10 people, you know, as much as possible. And in all likelihood, this is going to become enforced. I mean, I just came back from, uh, and as many of you probably were, I was overseas when this ban came and I wasn't aware it's going to get this bad. We had a trip to Andalusia uh, to to Spain and I went when things were relatively good like uh, 10 days ago and when I was there everything day by day is changing until finally you know three days before we got the news that they might shut Europe down everybody's panicking and whatnot things are changing too fast to make a generic response but I will tell you I was in Spain uh, three days ago two days ago and the government there announced a complete shutdown. I have been to Spain five times or four times before. I have seen Madrid, I have seen Seville, I have seen these cities bustling with tourists from around the world. And with my own eyes, Madrid was dead empty. It was like a scene out of some type of apocalyptic horror movie where everybody's gone. With my own eyes, I saw this. Not a single person in the street except the odd person who might have some type of emergency or something it felt surreal as if I'm in a dream this is in Madrid one of the capitals of the world that's what they're doing and it's not even as bad as in Italy or in the uh, Wuhan province what do you think is going to be in other places so dear Muslim act wisely if you're asking from America and especially from Dallas no do not go to your masjid even if it is insistent on offering Jumu'ah you have an excuse in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plenty of ulama have said now if you have two opinions like I told you and one group seems to be more in tune with the experts of ulama follow the ulama that are in tune with the experts because this is an area where fiqh and where logic and, 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 and modern science combine. So listen to the fuqaha who are following what the experts in science are saying. And Allah Azza wa knows uh, best. Um, if somebody dies in this uh, coronavirus in, uh, time frame, will they be considered shaheed? Yes, inshallah, they will be. Yes, inshallah, they will be. And I ask Allah for afiyah for myself and my loved ones and for all of you. We, we don't want to be tested. But those of us that are tested, we need to look forward to Allah that that is the death of a shaheed. Our Prophet said that whoever lives in a land where the plague comes and he expects that whatever happens, happens by the will of Allah. And he expects that, you know, it's Allah's qadr, meaning he doesn't become a coward, he doesn't run away. It's happening, it's happening, what can he do? Then if he dies, our Prophet said, he shall get the reward of a shaheed. Uh, question over here is that, uh, and inshallah we'll finish up because we don't want to go uh, too long, another three, four minutes and then we're done inshallah. Question over here, how should the body of the deceased be washed if they have passed away with coronavirus? How should the body of the deceased be washed? Okay, so once again, what did I say at the, at the middle of this lecture? Wherever there is an intermixing between Islamic law and between modern science, listen to both and then form the position. Go to those ulama who know modern science and go to those experts and, and health experts who are also aware of the Sharia. I am not a medical expert. I do not know whether a dead corpse can give out coronavirus on its own, if the virus will live or not. I will give you generic guidelines, then 
if I find out, I will tell you I heard from a CDC or whatnot, or, uh, or, or I heard from a, a reputable source, that, uh, etc., etc. To the best of my knowledge, and I read this today, the CDC has indeed released that as far as they are aware, the, the corpse cannot in and of itself transfer uh, the virus. Nonetheless, they required, they required everybody to take the regular precautions of masks and gloves and disposable, uh, you know, the, you, the, the coroners know what I'm talking about, those that wash the body. There's a requirement that you must be dressed with the, 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 the safety um, dress code. Uh, and other than that, that it is not in and of itself contagious. Now, if that is true, and if the people of that city are able to give ghusl, then ghusl is obligatory. However, if either of these two is not there, meaning number one, they discover that the disease is transferable from a corpse, or number two, in some cities they might not have the people or the equipment or whatnot, in either of these two cases, our books of fiqh are explicit, and that is tayammum is done on the deceased. So wearing the extra gloves and everything, you just do tayammum and you wipe the, the head and the hands, and that is it. And Imam al nawi and others say, if in case even tayammum cannot be done for whatever reason, then the body is buried as is, and the requirement is done for whatever reason. So if it gets that bad that you cannot even touch, for example, it might be in a certain place that uh, the people don't have the equipment, they don't have gloves and whatnot, and there is a fear. I'm not talking about coronavirus. There is a fear that some virus or plague will transfer to them from the deceased body. In this case, then in the zipper bag, however it is, it will be placed in the qabr and there is no problem over there that Allah Azza wa Jal does not require and put us on a burden more than what is can, that we can bear. Wallahi, dear Muslims, our sharia is easy and it is sensible. Our sharia is not difficult, nor is it foolish, nor is it something that is unrealistic. The more you study Islam, you realize that the laws of Allah and the laws of nature go hand in hand. They are not contradictory. We tie our camel and are put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, question over here uh, is that balancing between helping others and staying safe, is it okay to knowingly risk ourselves? Um, you risk yourself as much as you are comfortable and as much as is reasonable. And everybody's comfort level and everybody's reasonability varies. If you're in the medical field, you obviously you are and you are you know at the forefront of, of, of dealing with patients, obviously by virtue of your profession, you must be uh, exposed to more issues than everybody else, and that's the job you chose, and that's the reward you shall get from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, try your best to be uh, uh, cautious in this um, regard. Uh, final question, uh, somebody is uh, saying that he's worried about me, I just came from Spain, uh, that um, I'm very concerned for your health, can you please uh, you know, uh, can, you know, uh, allay our fears by getting tested for Corona. Uh, so the government stopped us when we came in and they had a survey from all of the passengers and they uh, gave us the pamphlets and everything. And uh, uh, I myself was, was, was as cautious as possible when I was in uh, Spain. I did not intermingle with any crowds that I was there. I did not, I tried my best to not touch anything or anyone and wash my hands. And um, uh, the government did not require any tests. There were too many people coming back from the airport, but they told us to self-monitor um, uh, ourselves for uh, a week or two and to put ourselves in as much isolation, which I have been doing. Uh, even today, uh, a brother came and, uh, to my house for some issue and I refused to shake it. I said, look, I'm sorry, I can't shake your hand. Uh, you know, just um, salam and you stay there and whatnot. So uh, I'm trying my best to be uh, self-imposed uh, 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 reasonable precautions and that's what actually the government policy is right now that those who return from Europe any place in Europe uh, they should just uh, that's not other than Italy uh, Italy is a different ruling if you come back from there but otherwise the government is simply saying you know take general um, precautions and just wait because the symptoms they show up um, anywhere between three days to five days to a week or two so just be precautious for those days and then after that inshallah you're you're absolutely fine if nothing has happened uh, that is nothing over there, so we, we I take reason. I took reasonable precautions, and to me, this is the essence of Islam and Iman. Uh, I'm concluding and I'm wrapping up uh, today's uh, lecture, but uh, this is just the beginning. It's not the end. It is the beginning of, in all likelihood, many many weeks, months, maybe even a year or more 
of uh, a different mechanism and we will cope and we shall persevere and we shall turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will be tested in ways we never even imagined. We will be tested in ways where our minds did not even go possible. Wallah, I could never have imagined that the world is going to shut down its masajid, that a time will come when I'm not going to be doing Jumu'ah and Jama'at and, 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 and Ramadan and whatnot in, in congregation. But Allah Azza wa Jal is testing and He shall give us the mechanism to overcome those tests and we shall come out stronger, more faithful, more appreciative of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if Allah chooses other than this, that we don't come out of this, then inshallah we'll come out winners in the akhirah. And that is the ultimate, ultimate goal to come out winners in the akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me and you and my loved ones and your loved ones afiyah. May Allah avert from all of us a calamity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send salam down to the ummah and to all the entire world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us a peacefulness and a security and a safety that we need. May Allah strengthen our iman, make our resolves firm. May Allah allow us to be role models for the people around us who don't know our faith. May this calamity be the hidden disguise and the treasure that we've been waiting for, that people see the beauty of our faith. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to come out of this bit better and more stronger and more faithful uh, and role models of our, of our, of our religion. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَارَكَ عَلَى عَبْدِ مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ لا يزال الخير حيا لا يزال إن في الدنيا سلاما واضلال أخبر الأيام أنها في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال